0: I think once we start living for God and seeing His plan for our lives, we give in and it's not about us. When I am doing those things well, I feel more fulfilled in my life. This world we are inundated with, um, me, me, me. There's an exciting challenge to, to what do we do with that purpose and and, how, and what does that look like? I think you, you see the world differently, it's seeing the way He sees. Um, loving the way he loves whatever our hands find to do to do it unto the lord and and then there's that joy that people can't understand and and figure out but we know deep down in ourselves that we have arrived here you don't want to just live for your own success but you want to live for the success of his kingdom Hey Cornerstone, so we are uh, in the middle of a series right now, it's called Deep and Wide, and it's simply a conversation about this, that when Jesus leaves this earth, he gives you and me a mission statement, and he says, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you even to the ends of the earth. And what Jesus says in that moment says, look, there are two things that you and I are to be about. And the first is that you and I are to work together collaboratively to make Jesus famous, to win as many people as we possibly can to this story of Jesus Christ, that they would come to a moment of making an eternity changing decision about Jesus being their savior. This is mission critical for you and me. Because we know at the end of the day, there aren't a hundred ways to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way to find the Father. And, and you and I are to be about his business. But the second part of the conversation, Jesus says, look, once they accept, once they come to a saving faith, it is your responsibility to teach them everything I've already taught you. It is your responsibility to grow them up, to be absolutely mature, radically sold out followers of me. True disciples. True disciples. And so the call of Jesus, the mission statement of Jesus was simply this. You're going to need to go deep and you're going to need to go wide. And so we've said as a church, look, we refuse to be a church that's a mile wide tons and tons of people coming, but only an inch deep spiritually. That is not where we're going to end up. That's not what we're going to be satisfied with. But we're also equally not going to be the other. We're not going to be some holy huddle of Christians that's a mile deep and only an inch wide and nobody in this community is being affected by us because we're too busy parsing Greek verbs. We're not going to do it. And so we've been having this conversation that says, what does it mean to build the type of church that Jesus wanted? When he left this earth, what does it mean to be deep and wide? How do you and I land that community of followers of Jesus Christ? Uh, we shared with you last week and just want to tell you one more time. There's actually a book out written by Andy Stanley, an amazing pastor in Atlanta, Georgia that actually has the same title. Zondervan allowed us to kind of take the title and to use it. Uh, but this is just a description by a guy who's leading an unbelievably powerful prevailing church about this challenge of having a church that's both deep and wide. And if that has any curiosity for you, if you're interested at all, you may want to buy the book. It's a little bit different than some of the stuff we're tackling, but an incredibly interesting read. It's in our bookstore. Uh, you can grab this. Now, here's where we're going today. We're going to talk about this topic of serving. And look, 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 before you check out, before you go, low, 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 Lynn, I've already had this conversation. I've already thought this process through. I'm too busy right now. Maybe someday I'll get to it. I, 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 before you discount the conversation, before you check out today, and actually we're going to do a fairly short message together, so it won't be that painful. Uh, <laughs> here's what I'm going to ask you to consider. I believe... That the number one reason why some Christians never experience true fulfillment in their Christian walk is this conversation. It is this thing of serving. And I'm hoping that by the time you and I get done in about 15, 20 minutes together that, that, that I've gotten you to the other side that says, this is not an opt-in, opt-out conversation. This isn't a, hey, would you like to serve check one of the above, maybe, maybe not, maybe. It, it's not optional. That this is so mission critical to who God has built you to be that if you don't ever find your place of service, you will never fully experience the Christian life. That's how critical this conversation is. And for some of us in this room who are Christians, you say, Lynn, I'm already serving and I'm not experiencing that level of fulfillment. I'm just going to suggest to you, chances are you're serving out of your giftedness. You're serving in the wrong place. And today may be the day that nudges you to reconsider your place of service. Because when you're serving where God created you, it will be so energizing into your life. You will say, I would do this for free. This is what God created me to do so just hang on just have the conversation see where you land when we get done to the other side of this so grab your bibles real quick Uh, go with me to ephesians chapter 2 if you're not familiar today uh, if you go to the very back of your bible and then work to the left you're going to find this book of ephesians ephesians chapter 2 we're looking for verse 10 And here's here's what you and I are going to discover in just a moment. That God has always had a plan and a purpose for your life. That part of what we miss, the the part of us that doesn't experience the fulfillment of following Jesus because we've never attached ourselves. We've never discovered the plan and the purpose for which God created us. And I'm just going to tell you. The purpose and plan of God is bigger than working at Intel. The, the purpose and plan of God for your life is greater than being a homemaker. The purpose... Of, don't be wrong. None of those things are bad. I'm just telling you the purpose and plan of God for your life extends beyond that. And if you never discover it, you will always be left short of the life that God intended for you. Here, here we go. It's Ephesians chapter 2. Uh Verse 10, here's what it says. For we, all of us, all of us who are in Christ, for we are God's workmanship. So we say, look, look, look. You are a direct result of God making you, forming you. You can come back and say, look, I'm just the guy that was apparently at the wrong end of the line when they were handing out talents and building. No, 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 no. You are. Exactly who God created you. You are God's workmanship. You are who you are because God has made you that person. You are, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. See, look, 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 God made you how you are, who you are, responding the way you respond, because in the end, God had something for you. He had good works. He had a purpose and a plan for you, which God prepared. You ready? In advance, before you were even born, God was already planning what your life was to be and what he was going to do and use you for which God prepared in advance for us to do, which simply means this. Guys, let this sink in for a second. Before you were even born, God looked forward in eternity, saw your life and said, I have a plan for Tom. I have a purpose for Jenny. And I am going to equip her. I'm going to prepare her. I'm going to allow life experience for her so that she has the ability to perfectly fulfill her purpose. In life. There's an old uh, pastor story. And it talks about a guy who uh, gets to heaven one day and then comes the judgment. He's standing before God and he's receiving reward for how he lived his life. And when it gets over, he's got a pretty good pile sitting next to him. And he's feeling pretty good about himself. One of the angels is taking him to walk to where he's going to live and he notices that uh, off to the side are a whole bunch of warehouses piled with trophies, piled with, just filled to the very brim. And he turns to the angel, he says, "What? what is all of that? And the angel says, you don't want to know. And he goes, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I am, I'm curious. I mean, there's score, I mean, there's just row after row of warehouse filled with trophies, I mean, what's that all about? And the angel turns to him and says, That's what God was hoping your life would have been. See, I'm I'm just telling you guys that if you and I are not careful, if we don't discover what God placed us on this earth for, we run the risk of someday standing in heaven and hearing, that's what God hoped you would do. Now, guys, this is different. Remember last week we talked about maturity and we talked about the idea that said, Hey, considering how long you've been a believer, where should you be in maturity by now? You know, by the time you've been a Christian six years, where should you be spiritually? This is a different conversation. This is saying, what is the purpose and the plan of God for your life? And you ready? How close are you to it? See, if I were to ask this question in the room and just say, Hey, what is it that God was hoping you would do with the gifts and the talents and the ability? What, what is, what is it? What is that workmanship of God, that creation of God on you? And what was God hoping you would use your life to do for the kingdom? Not for the educational system, not, not to get the next one. What was it that God was hoping you do for the kingdom? And how close are you? Because until you discover that, until you begin to fully embrace and live in that, you will never, never, never know the joy of following Jesus. You'll never be completely fulfilled as a person or as a Christian. So here's what I want us to do. I I want us to grab another passage together real quick. And and here's the deal. You've got to follow with me. We're going to take a little bit of a trail here. And don't think that I forgot what we're talking about or I got off track. It's just we're going to... And then we're going to come back around and, and hopefully... This conversation's going to land. So grab your Bibles real quick. Go with me to 1 Corinthians. It's going to be a little bit to the left. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And, and right now we're just going to unpack together the reason why missing this is so deeply frustrating for us. The reason why we never, when we never engage in the thing that God created us to be and to do and to serve in. It's the reason it leaves such a huge hole in our souls. So here we go. It's first Corinthians. Just hang on. Okay. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse one. Here's what it says. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. In other words, look, 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 you can't be dumb about this. You can't miss this thing. You can't go on oblivious to this part of the conversation. And we need to talk about this idea of spiritual giftedness, this idea that as you were created, God placed within every one of us, a spiritual gift, sometimes several spiritual gifts in our lives for the express purpose that you and I would have the capacity. You and I would have the ability to fulfill God's purpose in our lives. Let me ask you a real quick question. How many of you in here would say, hey, today, Lynn, I'm pretty darn sure if you handed me a piece of paper, I could write down for you my spiritual gifts. I think I know what they are. I think I could tell you what they are. How many people would say that? Look how many of us couldn't raise our hands. And here's what I'm just going to If you don't even know what your spiritual if you don't even know how God wired you and created you, what are the chances that you're fulfilling your God-given purpose for life? If you are, it's simply by accident. So here we go, okay? So hop on down in the conversations about spiritual gifts. We're gonna go deeper into the chapter. Here it is, it's verse 12. Here's what it says. The Bible is about ready to compare the church to a physical human body because what, the, what it's about to explore with this is simply this, that the church is actually made up of a whole bunch of different parts, a whole bunch of different spiritual gifts and each gift is like a different part of the body. One gift is like a hand and one gift is like a head and one gift is like a foot. And just like a body's not complete unless it has all its parts, the church is not complete until you and I discover our gifts and begin to function. So you wonder sometimes, man, it just feels like our church is unhealthy. Do you know that one of the primary reasons churches get unhealthy is because people aren't functioning in their giftedness in the church. And so the church doesn't have a set of hands or the church doesn't have a set of feet because the people of God haven't dis- discovered the purpose of God in their lives. We end up handicapped. So here we go, verse 12. It says, the body, talking body, but here's what you need to know. Every time it uses the word body, it's using it as a synonym for the church. So I'm just going to stick it in there. So maybe it makes it easier for us. Already? So the church is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts... And though all of its parts are many, they form one church. So it is with Christ, for we were all baptized in one spirit into one church. Whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the church is made up of one part but many. If the foot should say, I am not the hand, I do not belong to the body, to the church, it would not for that reason stop Being ceased to be a part of the church. So if someone says, look, I'm just not going to use my spiritual gift. I'm I'm just not, I'm not going to do that. He says, look, you don't stop being part of the church because you're lazy. Or because you're uninvolved, you just simply make the church handicapped. And if the ear should say, because I am not of the eye, I do not belong to the church. It would not for that reason cease to be a part of the church. And if the whole body were an eye... Can you imagine that? If the whole church was an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole church was an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God, ready? God has arranged the parts of the church, the parts of the body, you and me. Every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. And if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts and one body. Jump down to verse 27. You ready? Now you are the church of Christ. The body of Christ. The image of Christ in this world. And each one of you is a part of it. Which means if you're not serving, then the body of Christ, the church, is deformed. No wonder we're not moving forward better. No wonder we're not touching more lives. No wonder the church of Jesus Christ has become an irrelevant part of the conversation in our society today. Because you and I are not engaged in being the body of Christ. But guys, here's, here's the deal. Here's the, if you and I don't even know what God equipped us to do, if you and I don't even know our spiritual gift, then we're already in trouble. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to read for you, go through real quick a list of spiritual gifts. And, and I want you, as I do this, to maybe look and go, hey, I wonder which of those is me. Okay? Which one is, is, which one do I think maybe God has wired me with? So here's a list of the gifts. Ready? Prophecy. Prophecy is not telling the future. Prophecy is forth telling. This is that person who butts into other people's business. Okay. This is a person who's, who just thinks everything is either right or wrong. They see life very black and white. They watch TV and they go, someone ought to write a letter to those people. That's a, that's a prophet. You see someone, someone needs to go talk to them. That's a prophet. Some of us have the gift of mercy. And that's a person who sees somebody who's hurting and is immediately attracted. They see someone wounded and they immediately just viscerally respond. See, here's the deal. Someone with the gift of prophecy, sees someone who's hurting, and they say, I wonder how many bad decisions they made to get to there. <laughs> someone with the gift of mercy says, it doesn't matter. They're hurting. Run to them. Evangelism. Evangelism is that obnoxious person on the plane that somehow has the ability to turn a conversation about takeoff into, do you know Jesus? They're the one you hope you never get stuck next to in the plane. Okay, evangelism, generosity, and here's the interesting thing about generosity. This doesn't mean this person is just throwing their money. Matter of fact, most of the people that give to generosity tend to be very entrepreneurial. They tend to save and then they use their money wisely to change things with their economy. They're very strategic usually about their money. Administration. Administration really, in many ways, has to do with the gift of leadership. The only difference is sometimes you're administrating facts and figures and systems, which means you may be pretty organized. Sometimes you're administrating people, which looks more like a gift of leadership, the gift of administration. Pastor-shepherd. Pastor-shepherds are people who are deeply worried about health and nurture. They always want to know how healthy are we spiritually and how can we grow a little bit further. Pastor Shepard. Teachers. Teachers tend to land on the side that says people are perishing for a lack of information. If people simply knew the right thing to do, if they simply had enough content to know how to ha- they would do the right thing. And they love to disseminate information. They're teachers. Service. There are people who don't want to be, if you put them in the spotlight, they would melt. But they love to serve. They engage behind the scenes and say, look, I, I, look, I don't want any, I just, I want to keep this thing going. I want to be part of it. Just don't tell anybody I did it. It's a gift of service. Exhortation. If you have the gift of exhortation or encouragement, then you're a person who uses your mouth a lot. You may not realize you have the gift of exhortation, but your wife knows you do, okay? You actually out talk her. And, and, and a person with the gift of exhortation simply believes this, the right word as spoken at the right moment is the most powerful thing you can ever do. Now they're wrong, but that's what they believe. Now I'm stupid, <laughs> gift of exhortation, okay? They're always looking for that opportunity to say the right thing to the person, okay? And then finally the gift of hospitality. And people with a gift of hospitality love to bring people together. They believe that life is so much better when it's done in community and in relationship. And very often they see their personal resources as simply a tool to bless other people. So come to my house. No, 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 no. Come on, come. Yeah, come on. That table belongs to God. My TV side, Just come on. Okay? Because I believe that living in community is a big deal. Now, here's the deal. So powerful are these spiritual gifts, okay, get this, so powerful are these spiritual gifts that they literally change how you and I process life. Matter of fact, based on your spiritual gifting, you have filters in your mind and you come to completely different conclusions than people around you. And I'm going to suggest not so much based on life experience, not based so much on, but based on, you ready, the spiritual gift in your life. And the very same moment, you ever sat with someone and, and, and something happened and you said, how in the world did you come to that conclusion? How, wh- why are you interpreting that moment that way? And I'm going to suggest to you this has less to do with personality and has so much more to do with your spiritual giftedness and how God has wired you to serve. In the church. Matter of fact, let, let me give an example, okay? So imagine this. Imagine for a moment that we're all sitting together in a cafeteria and someone gets up from the table and goes and gets ice cream and little dishes for all everybody sitting at the table. But on the way back to the table, they trip and drop the ice cream. And in that moment, based on spiritual giftedness, there will be completely different reactions. Okay, ready for this? The person with the gift of prophecy is likely to say, if you had been more careful, this never would have happened. Right and wrong, black and white. The person with the gift of mercy says, this could have happened to anyone. How do you feel right now? (laughs) See, here's the deal. If you're a person with the gift of prophecy, you need someone with the gift of mercy in your life to clean up all the wounded people in your wake, okay? Because you're going to speak the truth. And then as they bleed in your path, the person with the gift of mercy is going to come behind. Gift of evangelism. If that ice cream cone was you and you were to die right now, would you go to heaven or hell? Gift of evangelism, generosity, but hey, let's all go out for ice cream, I'll buy. Gift of administration, gift of leadership, you ready? Bob, you grab the mop, Jane, you get some napkins, Phil, you go get another round of ice cream. (laughs) Pastor shepherding, how can we learn not to let this happen again? Could this be a growing experience? <laughs> Teaching. The reason it fell is because in a moment of distraction, the tray you were carrying tilted at a seven degree angle. <laughs> Next time, gift of service. Quietly walks over, grabbed a rag. Don't worry, I've already cleaned it up. Gift of exhortation. Hey! Next time, let's serve dessert before the meal. (laughs) Gift of hospitality. Let's all go over to my house for Cokes and a movie. And you realize, guys, 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 so deeply embedded, so powerfully does our spiritual gifting affect us that you and I will literally interpret life differently. It's one of the reasons you look at your kids sometimes and you go, how did my, what, what? How is my kid thinking that way? And I'm going to tell you that there's a real good chance it has less to do with culture than it does to do with how God has wired your child differently in spiritual gifting. And they're filtering the very same moment in life. And how powerful for you to know this about your child so that instead of discouraging, you go look and say, hey, look, 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 look. You've got the gift of mercy, which means you've got just this incredibly tender heart. But here's the deal. You're going to have to learn some discernment because you'll end up helping people that'll take advantage of you. And how much more powerful even as a parent to understand this idea of spiritual giftedness? Because it literally changes how we interpret life. And then, guys, I'm just going to toss out. I think this is so powerful. I believe that your spiritual gifting is actually what determines your personality. I think we make a mistake when we test for people's personality because, you know, what you're, doing? You're, you're studying the symptom and not the cause of the personality. And what you'll find when you begin to look at spiritual giftedness, you'll find certain personality types clumped with spiritual giftedness. It's very, very, very common for people who have the gift of mercy to all have a similar type or style of personality. You wonder how, how in the world did two such reserved people have a daughter like her? And it has less to do with home and growing as it does the giftedness of God in her life is different than the giftedness in what God created her parents to do. That's how powerful this idea of spiritual giftedness is. So here, here's my question. Is it possible... That the reason that many of us feel unfulfilled is because you and I have not yet engaged in the God-given purpose for which we were created. That we're taking the actual giftedness that God gave us, the purpose in which God gave us, and we're using it for secondary purposes. Let me see if this helps. What if you and I have taken the giftedness that God has put in us and we've used it for something other than kingdom purpose? See, here's the deal. You can drive nails with a baseball bat. And at the end of the day, you can go, I mean, it works. And I just wonder how many of us are taking the spiritual gifts that God has given us. And we're using them to be more successful in business. We're using them for, and look, here's the deal. It's okay. It's okay. It works. It's just, it's a secondary use. And how much more powerful, how much more fulfilling in our lives when we begin to use our giftedness for what God created it to do. Okay. Everybody on the front row, I would advise you to do this right now, okay? No, I'm serious, okay? How much better when you and I take a bat? Oh wait, I can do better now. How much better when you and I take a bat? I am signing autographs after the service. (laughs) How much better when you and I take the giftness of God and start knocking it out of the park? How much more fulfilling would that be? So here's what I'm going to ask us to do today, okay? I'm just going to ask us to maybe take a step and maybe explore this a little bit. So here's, here's the first thing. Some of us in this room said, look, I don't even know my spiritual gifts. So we've created a moment, a tool, an opportunity. And, and if you aren't sure what your spiritual gifts are, we've got a one day, one, real quick, couple hour class in which we're going to explore that and help you find and identify them. And you can get to that class if you will simply do this. If you will text on your phone, GIFTS, G-I-F-T-S, four one one two four seven. If you'll do that we will immediately get back to you the information tell you where to sign up you know how to get it and we'll sign you up for the thing we'll get you to one of those events where we're exploring spiritual gifts okay simple as that if you're as smartphone dumb as I am uh, you can fill out the card on your weekly and uh, drop it in the you know uh, the little stanchions out there on the way out and, and we'll get that to you okay but here's the other thing we're going to ask you to consider doing today We've got some booths outside. Uh, they're all about helping you find where you belong in the church. And a matter of fact, one of the things that we gave you today was a card that looks very, very, very similar to this. And each different section is a different color. And it simply says this, if you like, and then it goes down and says, if you like photography, if you like design, if you like music, then maybe you'll want to check out our creative team. And it's just kind of a first blush in helping you discover maybe how God wired you and where that shows up in the body of Christ and in the church. And we're gonna let you out right now, just a couple minutes early. We're gonna, you don't need to pick up your kids. We're gonna give you ten minutes to go out and experience that and just take a look. And here, here's my thing. What if you and I simply said, look, I'll try, I'll try it. I'll try it for 30 days. I'll just go see where God might use me. I'll sign up to serve somewhere for 30 days. And guys, if it, if it's not what we said it was, then you just, it's 30 days. It's four times. But what if, what if all of a sudden your Christian walk came alive because you begin to discover what God created you to do and the purpose for which He made your life, the reason you were born. Let's bow our heads. Okay, hey, dear Lord Jesus, we, we're simply coming before you. And we're just going to, we've neglected this. We've, we've thought that serving was some sort of obligation that, that, honestly, in the busyness of our lives, we've kind of opted out. We've said, hey, look, I'll, I'll make up my time later. And the moment we've missed is that this is the very thing you created us to be. And to do. And if we spend our lives doing secondary, ancillary things and never discovering the purpose for which you put us on this earth and never living within and serving in the way that you built us to, we will never experience the full joy of this walk with you. This is what makes it come alive. And so God, I'm just going to ask that all through this room, that hearts would be changed and attitudes would be shifted and people would say, I can't rest until I discover what it is that God put me on this earth to do for Him. God, be with us now as we go out. And Would you go before us, get us to the right tables, get us to the right conversations. May today be the beginning of something incredible in our lives. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so here's the deal. If you need to talk to somebody, we're going to have counselors to meet you at the front. The rest of us, go. Hit the patio. You've got 10 minutes before your kids are looking for you.